You are listening to the Practical Islamic Finance Podcast, where we try to help people globally build wealth in a halal way. We hope you find it useful and fun. Anything you hear in this podcast is not to be understood as personalized financial or investment advice and only represents the views of the speaker. Investing entails risk, including loss of principal. Be sure to do your own due diligence before you make any investment decisions. Assalamu alaikum. We tried to answer the question, are stocks haram? It was probably wrong to say stocks are haram full stop. Despite the likelihood of a public company's operations not being 100% in line with Islamic teachings, at the very least they have some interest income or interest expense. As a stockholder, you are typically a non-controlling minority owner. So you do not bear the same moral responsibility as someone with a controlling interest in the company. To imply non-controlling owners have equal moral responsibility as controlling owners do would preclude Muslim investors from investing in basically any company that wasn't extremely small since practically speaking all mid to large size companies will have at least some aspect of their operations that a Muslim can find objectionable. In light of the impracticality of such a rigid standard and its high cost to the Muslim Ummah when compared with its rather limited benefit, most commentators on this topic, including myself, agree that designating all stocks as haram is not the right approach and that effort should be spent in trying to ascertain a reasonable cutoff between that which is tolerable as a stockholder and that which isn't. I will cover how we at Practical Islamic Finance go about finding stocks that we're comfortable investing in from a halal perspective. But before I go any further, if you're new here, my name is Rakan Kayali, founder of Practical Islamic Finance, where we help people globally build wealth in a halal way. You can follow the crypto and stock portfolios that I manage by becoming a member. Be sure to follow us on social media, including joining our Discord group and signing up to our newsletter. You can also see the list of stocks and cryptos we've reviewed and assigned a comfort level for, for free. And I will link to these lists and everything else that I've mentioned in the description. Broadly speaking, when trying to ascertain where the line should be that separates what you're comfortable investing in from a halal perspective and what you aren't comfortable investing in. It's important to remember maqasad al-sharia or the objectives of Islamic law. There have been many attempts by commentators, new and old, to enumerate the objectives of Islamic law. For example, Al-Ghazali mentions that the specific aim of Islamic law is the preservation of five essentials of human well-being, religion, life, intellect, lineage, and property. Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi later adds human dignity and rights to this list. The truth is the most accurate summary came from the source of this law. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We have not sent you, O Muhammad, except out of mercy to the world. So you want to invest in companies that you feel when and if are successful, will advance the promotion of mercy in this world. This is ultimately the goal of the teachings of Islam, and it is only fitting that this goal guide our investing decisions. So the first question you should ask yourself when screening for halal stocks is, does this company increase the amount of mercy that there is in this world? 
And now what do I mean by increasing the amount of mercy from a practical perspective? How can a company be increasing mercy? Let me give you an example. On this channel and in the PIF stock group, I've spoken favorably about iRobot, ticker symbol IRBT. This is a company that automates manual tasks. Primarily, as of today, the tasks of cleaning and mopping. These are repetitive tasks that people typically don't like to spend too much time doing. Not having to do these tasks frees up people's time to do things that are likely more interesting to them and makes better use of their creativity. It also enables people to live in cleaner surroundings with all the benefits that come from this. People who previously may have been unable to dedicate enough time to this cause because of other pressing commitments. You get the idea. So the product of iRobot is one that I think is providing a form of relief to its users and is therefore serving the purpose of spreading mercy in this world. Contrast this with another company, DraftKings, for example. This is a company that profits from sports betting, wherein bettors attempt to take one another's money by predicting the outcome of a game. One bettor's win is the other bettor's loss. Is this a business that is spreading mercy among people or hatred and animosity? It seems clear that in the case of this company, the answer is the latter. Not to mention wasting their customers' lives, talents, and intellects in completely pointless, valueless, destructive activities. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, translated into English, Satan desires to create enmity and hatred amongst you through intoxicants and gambling and to stop you from praying and remembering Allah. So will you abstain from these things? So DraftKings is a company that I would be entirely uncomfortable having anything to do with. If you can see the mercy in the company you are investing in, then this is a very strong signal that inshallah this company is halal. So the question, does this company increase the mercy in this world, is the general question that you need to start with when you're trying to analyze whether a company is halal or haram to invest in. Now let's drill into some of the more specific checks that we can make to help us ascertain our level of comfort investing in a stock from a halal perspective. The first of these checks is how does the company generate its revenue? Ideally, the company generates no revenue from haram products or services such as alcohol, gambling, and pork. It is likely that a company's revenue includes both things that are halal and others that aren't. In this case, many commentators have suggested a 5% rule, wherein if a company's revenue from non-Sharia compliant activities exceeds 5% of its total revenue, then it is haram to invest in. I think this is a reasonable rule of thumb, and we generally stick to it at Practical Islamic Finance, just know that this is a rule of thumb and not a hard and fast rule in Islam. It's ultimately a judgment call. So if you invested in a company that had 4.9% of its revenue from non-Sharia compliant activities and the latest quarterly report comes out and it puts this percentage at 5.2%, don't lose your cool. It's probably still okay. Make sure to use your common sense. The second check you want to look at is, does the company rely on interest, 
in its operations. This reliance on interest can manifest itself in the form of excessive interest expense or excessive interest income. Now, why is this a problem? Well, ultimately, the goal of Muslims should be the eradication of interest-bearing debt in this world because of the high cost it has on everyone involved. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about riba, translated into English, O you who believe, fear Allah and give up what remains due to you of riba, if you are in truth believers. And if you do not, then be warned of war against you from Allah and his messenger. But if you repent, then you have your principle. Thus you do no wrong, nor are you wrong. Interest-bearing debt is a form of doing wrong to others that Muslims should not participate in. So when investing in a company, we want to make sure that as a percentage of revenue and expenses, interest income and interest expense are trivial in comparison. And sometimes instead of comparing interest income with revenue, for more mature companies, I'll compare interest income with net income. And in keeping with the 5% rule, we typically look for a ratio of interest income to revenue and interest expense to total operating expense of less than 5%. Now, practical Islamic finance is unique in this standard. Most other standards in the Islamic finance industry look at debt to equity and check to see if it is less than 30% or 33%, which in my view often yields very inaccurate results. This is because this standard doesn't account for the interest rate on the debt. Ultimately, interest is what is prohibited in Islam, not debt. If a company has 0% interest on its debt, for example, and its debt-to-equity ratio is 100%, this is not a haram company to invest in. For example, let's say a company starts off with a 0% loan from family and friends. At the time of starting, the company would be all debt and zero equity. Is this a company that is haram to own a part of? Of course not. However, this type of company would fail the current industry standard of debt to equity being less than 30% or 33%. But it wouldn't fail the practical Islamic finance standard, the true gold standard of the industry, which looks at interest income and interest expense. I think eventually the rest of the industry will realize that really interest income and interest expense is what they should be putting the most emphasis on. And this will not be the first time that a standard that I used, practical Islamic finance uses, starts to become the industry standard. If you watch my previous video, how to pick halal stocks, you'll notice I indicated that the liquidity standard was something that shouldn't be used. And at the time, it was basically universally accepted in the industry that this is a standard that we should use. And eventually, the industry got around to pretty much universally rejecting the liquidity standard, albeit a couple of years after I did. But to their credit, it's better to arrive late than not to arrive at all. Now, a type of company that often fails the reliance on interest check are real estate investment trusts or REITs. This is because even if these real estate investment trusts earn their income from renting out their properties or from capital appreciation by themselves, completely halal ways to earn money, their operations typically heavily rely on interest. The third check when ascertaining whether a particular stock 
is comfortable to invest in from a halal perspective is the ESG check. And this entails asking the question, what is the ESG impact of this company's operations? ESG stands for Environment, Social, and Governance. And for this check, we want to see what impact does the company have on everything it comes into contact with. How does the company treat the environment? How does it treat suppliers, employees, customers, investors, and everyone and everything else that it may come into contact with? We're not talking about one-off flukes. Rather, we're looking for systemic violations or infractions that are serious and haven't been properly remedied. An example that is perhaps top of mind for many is companies that are employing slave labor in their supply chains. In recent history, many companies have been found to have employed Uyghur Muslim slave labor in their supply chains in China. This is obviously an unacceptable infraction and would render the company entirely uncomfortable to invest in from a halal perspective. So in summary, to find halal stocks, start with asking the question, which companies are increasing the amount of mercy there is in this world? That is, they are providing relief through the products and services that they make. Then answer the following questions. What products or services does the company sell to generate its revenue? A good rule of thumb is that revenue from non-Sharia compliant activities should be no more than 5% of total company revenue. The second question to ask is, does the company rely on interest to operate? To answer this question, compare interest income to total revenue or net income and interest expense to operating expense. Again here, a good rule of thumb is that these ratios should not exceed 5%. And then the third question is to ask, what is the company's ESG impact? Look at the impact the company has on everyone and everything it comes into contact with, whether this is the environment, suppliers, employees, customers, or investors. Remember, just because the company is producing a useful product doesn't mean this can come at any cost. So that was the screening method that we use at Practical Islamic Finance. If you'd like to follow the crypto or stock portfolios that I manage, you can do so by becoming a member. And links to everything I mentioned are in the description. Until next time, make sure to take care of yourself. Assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you all.